Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Good afternoon. Um, good day to you, madam. <laughs> How does this day find you? Fine. I Yep, I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. All right, I'm a little irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I sensed that. Yeah, you wanna... I just, I don't understand how, okay. So, uh, we, Shania Twain, mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of the music, you know, sure. but uh, I think that she is a fine artist mm-hmm. and um, she is very physically attractive and has always been. Uh, recently, she posed kind of recreating the... Uh, what was it, leopard print or cheetah print or something outfit that she had in the 90s? Sure. It was a big thing. Yeah. So, and she's still like, her body is banging. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, so what, what is it that me- makes someone go to the internet and they see this picture of Shania Twain looking foin? And then, it, 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 like, this man. So this man looks like a thumb and he thinks that he can say shit about how Shania Twain looks at like 70 or however old she is. What what did he say? That don't impress me much. (laughs) Thumb man said that? Yeah. Like what makes a person, why would you do that? And I just don't. It sounds to me like maybe his thumb is very, very small. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Wow, I don't know. It it it's beyond me. It really is. People seem to have this uh, emboldened nature when they're hiding behind their keyboard. Well, I mean, I can be emboldened all day long, and I'm still not going to say that bullshit. Yeah, it's that's true. If I'm emboldened, I'm like, hi, I like your hat. <laughs> Maybe if you looked more like a thumb, <laughs> all of this would make sense. I don't know, Babs, but I do know this: something strange was happening. In the mid-1940s in a little town called Mattoon, Illinois. Fear had overtaken the town and had overtaken the town pretty quickly. Families throughout the entire town were being attacked in their sleep with a terrible invisible weapon. 
Oh my gosh, it was a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of situation? Kind of, sort of. Up this, in the boiler room? This is the story of the mad gasser of Mattoon. Ooh. It was late summer or early autumn of 1944. I vote autumn. Why? Uh, lens for the stripy sweater. Okay, sure. It's more Halloween-y. Some residents of Mattoon had been awakened from a sound sleep to a, a sicky, sweet smell. Oh. Each one experienced different symptoms that ranged from nausea to vomiting to coughing and even a few extreme cases, leg paralysis. Oh, my goodness. Several of these victims reported seeing a strange figure standing outside an open window pumping gas into their home with one of those old-timey hand-pump pesticide sprayer things. Oh, okay. You know, can you, I got you. Okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, not like bellows, but like a syringe. Kind of, yeah. And you just with it. Yeah. And some reports said the man was wearing what looked like one of those old-fashioned World War I gas masks. Okay, this is terrifying. Yeah. Are you my mommy? <laughs> the first attack of the Mad Gasser happened at a house on Grant Avenue. It was the evening of August 31st, 1944. The owner, whose name was Urban Rafe, was sound asleep in his bed. Sometime during the early morning hours, he sat bolt upright, awakened from a sound sleep by this strange, sweet odor. He reported that immediately he started feeling nauseated and he could feel vomiting coming on don't you hate that? Yes. When you're lying in bed and you're, oh, do I, oh, now I got to get up. So now I've committed to vomiting. I also now can't stop thinking about, have you ever been awoken by a smell? Yes. Skunk. Really? Oh, skunk. <laughs> remember that time? I don't remember waking up to it. Though. Oh, bolt upright for me. Oh. Yeah. It was, whoa, that's bad. But then again, a house guest whose dog was just sprayed by a skunk outside our window brought the dog in the house. Yeah, that's what I woke up to, was walking into our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, what is going on? <laughs> so anyway, he decides, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vomit. So he pulls himself to his feet, but he was so weak that he collapsed on the floor. Now his wife had woken up by this point and became alarmed and thought maybe that the pilot light on their gas stove had gone out. Okay. So she tried to get up to check that out, but she was partially paralyzed and couldn't find the strength to leave her bed. They, of course, reported this to police. The next day when they did report the incident, they learned that there was an almost identical incident that had been reported by one of their neighbors. The neighbor was a young mother, and she was asleep in bed, but was awakened by the sound of her daughter coughing in the next room. She went to see what was wrong, but found that she was unable to leave her bed because her legs didn't work. That reminds me of the story sent in to the shallow end. Yeah, yeah. her legs didn't work, and she was just faking it. She was trying to get out of class. <laughs> and they, they, they went and conducted all sorts of neuro, neurological exams. Yeah. And yeah, that was hilarious. The shallow end with Schnebly and Toth available where all fine podcasts are sold, or in this case, given away. <laughs> on the very next night, over on Marshall Avenue in Mattoon, another incident was reported. Aileen Kearney, who was a young mother, was asleep in bed, and she had her young daughter in bed with her. And she was woken up by that 
strange, sweet aroma. Her daughter woke up too and complained about the smell as well. At first the smell wasn't too strong, so she thought maybe because the, it was it was hot outside and everybody was leaving their windows open, it was a late summer heat wave. Mm -hmm. She thought maybe that the scent of flowers that were outside her window had, okay. had wafted through and into the room. But she said she began to lose the feeling in her legs as the uh, smell grew stronger and very quickly realized that she was paralyzed from the waist down. Holy shit. Her husband, Bert, uh, drove a taxi cab and he was working the late shift. And this was around 11 o'clock or so. And Aileen called out to her sister who was staying the night, just coincidentally. Her mm. sister entered the room and could smell the same odor and started feeling ill herself. So they alerted law enforcement and the law enforcement arrived on the premises rather quickly, but were unable to find anything suspicious outside the open window. By the time police arrived, Mrs. Kearney was feeling better and had started to recover the use of her legs. Now at about 12.30, Bert had gotten off his shift and he came home. And when he did, he said he saw an unidentified man huddled below one of the open windows uh, next to the house. No. He was wearing a gas mask. I hate this. And had one of them old-fashioned pumpy gas spray pesticide things. Oof. He said he yelled at the man who immediately jumped up and fled. Bert chased after him but was unable to catch up. They called the police again. The police came back. They still found nothing. Okay. Mrs. Kearney and her daughter said for days they suffered from burning sensations on their lips and throat and would have like these sharp chest pains. Oof. Now, police, understandably, were scratching their heads as to what the motive of Lice. this strange attack would be. At first, they thought maybe robbery was the motive because the Kearneys had a large sum of cash in the house, Bert's tips. He brought his tips home and they saved them. And earlier that evening, Mrs. Kearney and her sister had been counting the cash at the kitchen table. Oh, and were they nude? <laughs> <laughs> and that was earlier in the evening and uh, it was thought that perhaps a peeping Tom guy had looked through the window and saw them counting this money. Right. But that does not explain the prior two acts, and it certainly does not explain the half dozen other attacks. In fact, within 48 hours, four other homes had been hit, and the newspaper headlines blared, Anesthetic Prowler on the Loose! <laughs> Since it was unseasonably warm, as I mentioned, uh, people had been sleeping with their windows open, right. and so this made it easy for the mad gasser to strike. Other than people witnessing the mad gasser, no other clues were found at any of the attack scenes. Most of the descriptions from the eyewitnesses were fairly vague. The best description came from Bert Kearney, who said the gasser was tall, thin, dressed in dark clothing, had a tight-fitting knit cap on, and of course that horrifying gas mask. Right, but didn't leave anything at no, the scene. nothing at the scene, no See, footprints. See, more criminals should smoke cigarettes. <laughs> it's just easier to find their DNA. <laughs> Others who witnessed the person thought because the person was of slight build, it might have been a woman oh. that was dressed in men's clothing. <gasps> they all described this person as uh, carrying a flit gun, which is that tool that sprays pesticides. Got it. The reporting of the Mad Gasser incidents escalated very quickly through the autumn season. Fortunately, 
all of the victims rapidly recovered from their symptoms okay. and suffered no long-term negative effects. Many of the reported gassings did have simple explanations. Some of the reports were explained by things as simple as spilled nail polish. Another was an odor that came from a local factory. Another was the smell of cow manure that had been caught by the wind at just the right way. Ooh. As abruptly as the gas attacks began, they quickly ended. And outside of the eyewitness reports, there never was any additional evidence discovered. Once the attacks ended, the official investigation that was underway just ceased. They said, nah, it's not happening anymore. We're just not going to investigate further. And the official explanation from law enforcement was that it was a case of mass hysteria. One of the reasons they, they cited for that was uh, the extremely sensationalistic coverage that the local papers gave it. Well, that's not the victim's fault. No, it's not. And, and, but they said it, it fed mass hysteria. It's true. But at the same time, how could people stop themselves from being taken by such an incredible news read? An aesthetic prowler on the loose. There were others who don't buy that, mainly those involved in the first few attacks. Sure. They say the mad gasser actually existed, but still no one was ever, ever able to uh, come up with a reasonable motive for the gasser's actions. Until a book written in 2007 by Scott Maruna. It's called The Mad Gasser of Mattoon Dispelling the Hysteria. Scott is a high school chemistry and physics teacher. In his brief but thorough 100-page book, he explores the facts surrounding the case, as well as similar cases in other cities and police investigations. His conclusion was that it was not mass hysteria, Aha. and that the mad gasser was in fact a real person. Through his research, he discovered that at that time, in the mid-40s, in the town of Mattoon, there was a man named Farley Llewellyn, and he was thought of as being kind of an odd genius type of guy. Mm, I know the type. His family owned the grocery store, and he was often seen just sitting there in the store uh, reading books. He was a, an odd man and was never really accepted by the town because, I mean, everybody recognized that he was a genius, mm -hmm. but he was socially awkward, and so he was made fun of and never really was accepted by the locals. He also drank too much, and he kept a secret laboratory. Drinking too much and having a secret laboratory is a dangerous combination. Especially when you considered that in his laboratory, mm -hmm. he experimented with various chemicals. Oof. In fact, there was an incident that was recorded in one of the local newspapers that an explosion happened in his lab that was so violent that it shook the neighborhood. Oof. So in his book, Maruna hypothesizes that Farley was in fact the mad gasser. He was I mean, that's not a huge leap. Like, the guy is a uh, outcast who plays with chemicals <laughs> a and, lot. And drinks. Like, he's known to be a chemical guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you think there's a connection? So, he thinks that it's a combination of Llewellyn's mental instability, his alcohol abuse, and years of pent-up rage yeah. against the town people that drove him to experiment with organic solvents in an attempt to create the perfect weapon and wreak revenge. Wow. Maruna believes that the chemical that he used was tetrachlorothane. It's a chemical that has all of the properties that would induce all of the symptoms reported in the gassings, and it also has a sick, sweet smell. 
Interesting. So was it mass hysteria? No. Was it industrial pollution? Uh-uh. Or was the mad gasser of Mattoon real? I say Farley Llewellyn looks pretty good to me. Yeah. My information came from Wikipedia, the Illinois Times, Mysteries Unsolved, and Scott Maruna's book, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. Back in 2010, Nickelback approached Dark Horse Brewery about having its beer featured in one of their videos. Now, this would have been great exposure, worth thousands and thousands of dollars to the small Michigan brewery, but they declined. When asked why, they said, quote, 
none of us at the brewery really care for Nickelback. We got an email. Curator at theboxofoddities.com. Rachel wrote, hey guys, it's late, 4.30 a.m., but I had one of those moments tonight that I didn't want to wait to send this. A boo effect that is helping someone I care about with health. I listened to your episode on alpha-gal, that tick-borne disease that can cause a red meat allergy and various side effects. I was speaking with my friend, we'll call her A, the night prior about these weird new food allergies, etc., that she described. Red meat allergy symptoms, heightened anxiety, and heightened, lact- and heightened lactose sensitivity. I'd heard of alpha-gal, but it would not have crossed my mind had I not heard you talk about it right after my conversation with her, literally hours later. Wow. I called her and suggested she get a blood test, but it took a while to get an appointment in our post-COVID world and with her being a mom. She just posted that she got her blood test back and is positive for alpha-gal. Wow. And will be starting treatment soon. Wow. Your episode prompted me to lead someone in the right direction that may have had a profound impact on her life and her ability to get treatment. Thank you. I'm so overjoyed as she has answers and help and your well-timed box of oddities (laughs) magic had a crucial hand. Send your healing to A and remember that a strange little podcast is sometimes helping people with more than just entertainment. Well, that's a that's a. (laughs) pretty big story it's a, wow. that's amazing also there were cat photos oh so, nice and a pupper i appreciated that <clears throat> i think that's the second time somebody said that that episode yeah. um, inspired them or someone they knew to go get tested and it was in fact positive for alpha gal that's bananas want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money well i've got the podcast for you i'm sean piles and i host nerd wallets smart money podcast on our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. 
okay, I've officially run out of things to say in these liners. Ooh, ooh, I just thought of another one for next time. This is The Box of Oddities. All right, bitch, what you got I have to tell you about this. So I was poking around the old internet, and I found this clip from the show The Doctors. You remember that show? I do. All right, so a young woman was on the show, and she was wondering about... Uh, this thing that had been going on with her. She was looking for answers. She's been dealing with a very unusual problem. Was it Alpha Gal? It was not. Mm. After waking up one morning, she discovered that her sheets had purple staining on them. And she assumed that that was due to her clothes, like maybe dyes in her clothes that had mm. rubbed off onto her sheets. She didn't really think anything else about it that's terrifying it would be all i could think about why <laughs> why true. am i why am i sweating purple but she assumed that it came from her clothes so she wouldn't be terrified she was just bummed at her low quality clothing items uh, okay all right. but she was sweating purple no i was saying if it was me um it's all I would be able to think about. No, that's true, because you you can sometimes overthink things. Now, yes. I'm not going to say it. It's true. Mm-hmm. I did want to acknowledge Jamie, who suggested that we talk about chrome hydrosis. Chrome hydrosis. It comes from the Greek chroma, which means colored, like kodachrome, mm-hmm. and also the word hydros, which is sweat. And it's a real thing, though it's rare. I thought maybe it had Latin origins, meaning uh, inferior clothing dye. Chrome hydrosis is a disorder of the sweat glands, and it manifests with colored sweat. The sweat could be yellow, green, blue, purple, brown, or black. Does it change based on your mood? Like a mood ring? That'd be cool. <laughs> it would be, but no. Or maybe during the holiday season, it, it's more festive colors. Like LED lights that you can select yes, the colors for? Yes. Yeah. No. And uh, like so many delightful things, it started at puberty. Once the apocrine glands are starting to mature, but it has been reported in infants. Chrome hydrosis can subdivide into three categories. Apocrine chrome hydrosis eccrine chrome hydrosis, and pseudochrome hydrosis. They are differentiated by the glands that produce the sweat and where those glands are located, therefore where the sweat appears. Apocrine chrome hydrosis is mostly limited to the eyelids, ears, scalp, trunk, and areola. Normally, the glands will secrete scant amounts of odorless, oily fluid into the hair canal that, upon reaching the skin surface, is degraded by bacteria, and that produces a pheromonal odor. Eccrine chrome hydrosis may occur almost anywhere on the body, except for the ear canal, lips, penis, clitoris, and labia. The eccrine form is much less common, though chrome hydrosis is quite rare with limited information about the percentage of people potentially affected. So there might be people who have it and don't know because their sweat is a lighter color or in a less noticeable location. I saw one guy who had his sweat padded off of that part of your hairline, you know, just right where it's the face, but it's also kind of your hairline. And so you couldn't see it because it was all in his hair. 
And so they padded it, and it was blue. Oh. Yeah. That sounds lovely. It was. It was really cute. Anyway, there appears to be no link between chromhydrosis and gender, geographic location, the season, the weather, anything like that. The what, cr- ab- what about party affiliation? Like if you're a Republican, you mm-hmm. sweat red, and if you're a Democrat, you're blue. What color would you be if you were independent? Purple, I would think. Red and blue make purple. Sure, that works. I'd be orange. Fuck y'all. <laughs> yep, the orange party. The condition does, however, seem to be more common in those of African descent. Some people with chrome hydrosis may report a feeling of warmth or like a prickly sensation uh, before the onset of colored sweat. So, but I think if you thought a lot about it, probably you are a little itchy when you're just regular sweating. Wait, my back always gets prickly when I get hot Mm -hmm. and I really can't see my back. Have you ever noticed me sweating colors? I have not. Okay. Not so far. Okay. Well, keep an eye on it for me if you don't Absolutely. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And then we could get like white hand towels and then dab your colored sweat with the hand towels and then sell them. Um, like like you're an art elephant artist or something making sure I don't know yeah. I don't know why you would be like an elephant artist specifically <laughs> hey I'm willing to try I've never never thought about it before but doesn't mean it's not a good idea so it's unknown why this happens but in 1954 Walter Shelley and Harry Hurley did determine how it happens lipofuscin granules are responsible for the pigmentation of the sweat seen in a chromhydrosis. That is a yellowy browny pigment that is usually found in the cells of various organs. So the greater the extent of the lipofuscin oxidation, the darker the color. Okay. Now we all have this within us. The difference lies in the amount of it present and or the higher than normal state of oxidation. And sometimes the glands are provoked by hot showers and baths, rubbing of the skin, emotional stimuli such as pain or arousal. Well, that would be embarrassing. It would be a little, yeah. First date, you're out with somebody Mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden, the big purple stain on your back. (laughs) Or a worse place place on your body Mm. than your back. E-chromhydrosis is most often caused exogenously by the coloring of clear sweat with the ingestion of water-soluble dyes. Like there was a patient who had ingested a lot of foods containing pigment or dyes, like uh, the color red, and uh, so they were sweating red. That does work through your body still, but it's not your body producing the color. Like if you ate an entire jar of maraschino cherries. Just like that. Yeah, which I've often done, actually. Oof. Well, I was poor and young and had few options. Hyperperbilirubinemia. Wow. Is another common cause of e-chromhydrosis in which patients present with green-colored sweat. The third type of chromhydrosis is pseudochromhydrosis, and that results with interactions of colorless, regular old sweat with other compounds that combine to create colors, but that's after it's passed through your skin. All right. 
The disease is considered chronic, however, may regress with age as the secretions diminish. And you reduce your intake of maraschino cherries. Yeah, and that. And would you believe it if I said that one of the things they think can help treat it is Botox. Botox. Of course. Got migraines? Botox. Uh, Do you pee too much? Botox. Want to get rid of those frown lines? Uh, Well, also that. Yeah. According to the medical journal Pediatrics, chrome hydrosis can be treated with a topical capsaicin cream. Hmm. But either way, because the condition is chronic, treatment will need to be maintained for continuous results. It's not one of those things that you can treat and then it's gone. Right, right. She chronic, uh, but it is treatable. Yay. Just in case you don't want to be sweating color, all the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. Sweathelp.org. They encourage you to subscribe to their email alerts to stay on top of sweat-related news, research, and events. <laughs> the National Center for <laughs> the National Center for Biotechnology Information, VisualDX, and Derm.net. That's where I got my information. Um, thank you so much to Jamie who suggested this topic. It was fun. I have done a lot of research on different types of unusual maladies or diseases, and I have never heard of that. It's new to me as well, Jack. <laughs> oh, oh, you're a jazz singer now. <laughs> Mentioned the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth earlier in this episode. If you've not had a chance to check it out, we would love to have you do that. And a lot of people have said that uh, they really appreciate the fact that it drops on a Wednesday every week, and that way you've got you start your week with box of oddities mm-hmm. on a Monday. Wednesday you get shallow end. Thursday you get the second episode of box of oddities. So we just need a weekend show. That's never going to happen, sweetheart. What? <laughs> I'm exhausted. Anyway, we we really appreciate you helping us grow that podcast. You can find out more at shallowendpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. 
And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.